But we had a little rule on, on my baseball team when I was managing the team. I used to tell parents in the beginning of the season, look, I'm human. I'm going to make mistakes. Uh, I'm going to do things and make decisions on this team that you're not necessarily going to like or agree with. I am 100% open to your comments, your feedback, your questions 24 hours after. So if you see something in a practice or a game that you don't like, please don't come into the dugout right after the game, guns a-blazing, ready to light me up over what you didn't like. Wait 24 hours. Because what was in the room? Lots of emotion. Yeah. 24 hours later, you come talk to me about what you didn't like the day before, and guess what won't be in the room? Emotion. Less. There will be less emotion, which will allow us to have a healthy, productive conversation, which will allow me to listen, hear you, validate your concern, and then explain myself, right? And hopefully we can come to a place where we can agree. Did you know that I have three really complicated relationships in my life? With me, myself, and I? Close. My relationship with money, my relationship with people, and my relationship with self. And they're all connected together because when my relationship with money got out of whack, it totally had an impact on those other relationships. That, my friend, is what we call having financial sobriety. So who are you? I'm Matthew Grishman. Who are you? Jim Gebhardt. And we're a couple of financial advisors trying to have an untraditional conversation about our favorite topic, money. Let's go. Boy, am I grateful to be back here in studio again. I'm always grateful for solutions Oh, to today, problems. It is a solution kind of day. We spent a little bit of time talking about a headline that really, really got me fired up. I think actually there was a global shortage of salt after our last conversation. Oh, really? Because we dumped so much in the wound, <laughs> right? I mean, the whole margarita industry suffered because there was no salt for the rims because I, we used it all in the last show right. on pain. Well, which is a shame because I'm guessing after you listened to the last show, you probably went out and drank eight margaritas. There was just no salt to put on your right. rim just to kind of numb the pain that we were uh, throwing salt in. Well, this is going to be a different flavor because we're going to go back to some of the basics, right? Yep. We're in back-to-school season. Oh. We're getting to gratitude for those of you that are keeping score at home. But in this context of back-to-school, why does it have to be just the kiddos, right? One of my greatest pleasures in life is learning. Mm. You are the eternal student. And when I stop learning or have a passion for learning, I think it's going to be time's up. And that's part of my gratitude today is as much as we threw salt in the wound, I'm grateful to be alive today, this time on earth, right now, what I feel is the greatest time in history. As much as we've got financial challenge facing us and all this debt and you know retirement stuff, I'm grateful to have access to information, to modern medicine, to advances in finance that we have today that weren't available. Technology. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we live in a time where there are solutions to the problems you and I presented last episode, right? This is not hopeless. No. There is solution, and I am grateful to be alive in a time where more solution exists than ever before. And while it is not hopeless, that does not mean it's easy. Oh, God. Uh, you and I are going to spend some time talking about some what I think is pretty simple stuff, but simple is not necessarily easy. This is going to be hard stuff. It's going to be hard work, but so, it's doable. So today's episode is going to be brought to you by part one and part two, okay? 
part one is going to be on mindset. Mm. And for those of you that have not been on our website before, you got to go. www.yourfinancialsobriety.com. There's a tremendous amount of resources there that are on the mindset aspects of what this show is all about. The top, yeah, the top menu bar has a resources tab, our resources. Click on that and you're going to find a whole bunch of really cool stuff that we're going to talk about. Our show has generally been about mindset. Yes. And in the context of going back to school, let's go put on our Air Jordans and our new fancy pants that the kiddos wore to school. And you could go all the way back to episode one. The first plus or minus 27 episodes, I think, yeah, yeah. are all the curriculum. So episode one and two kind of set up the whole essence of financial sobriety, why I wrote the book, why you and I decided to take that book and bring it into studio and open it up and pick it apart. That really is the first two or three episodes. And then the curriculum of financial sobriety, of rebuilding your wealth one step at a time, or for some of us, creating wealth for the first time one step at a time really begins kind of episode three and four through episodes like 25, 26, whole what, curriculum. Whether you are building your foundation for the first time yes, or you are tearing down the foundation that you've had and remodeling and building a new one, those episodes are absolutely essential because you got to get the foundation right. If your relationship with money is messed up the way yours was when we went down the path of, of writing the book and all that, you've done an extraordinary job of tearing it all down and rebuilding your foundation with money and having the emphasis not be on showering your people, make a lot of money to shower your people to feel good about yourself, right? So wherever you are in your journey with money, just be really honest with yourself. I've got a train wreck of a relationship with money. That was one of the hardest things for me to do. That was really hard, to be honest with that. It took really being at a bottom and being able to reach out to somebody that just felt like I could trust somebody and that somebody was a stranger. I couldn't share my truth with anybody I knew because I'd be exposed. Sure. That's no small conversation. I mean, to live the life that I was living, to make that decision at such a young age because of this hole in my soul of not feeling good about myself, of feeling like I wasn't worthy, therefore, the only way I would be worthy is if I went out and made lots and lots of money, then I could take care of my people. I could buy them whatever they need, shower them with riches, treasure, gold. And if they looked at me as their hero, their savior, then gosh darn it, I could look in the mirror and feel good about myself. Yeah. And man, did that blow up. It worked for a while. Until it didn't. It was functional for a while. <laughs> I was a functioning spendaholic right. for a while. Right. Until it didn't. Yeah. Until I found myself completely broke, driving up Highway 65, wanting to die. Wanting, begging my hands on the steering wheel to just turn the wheel a little to the left so that the oncoming truck would just take me out. Amy and the kids would get their $4 million of life insurance and they'd be okay. And there's thousands and thousands of people walking around this green earth of ours uh, that are grateful you didn't. Yes, thank you. I am also grateful I didn't. And I know there are also thousands and thousands of people walking around this green earth feeling the hopelessness that I felt in 2005 that there is no way out. And that is the essence of financial sobriety. That is the essence of waking up 
and realizing, hey, we all have three very complicated relationships in our lives. I am not unique. I am not the only one who has these. We all have a relationship with the person in the mirror. The most intimate relationship we're ever going to have in our lives is with ourselves. Yet for me, chasing money to take care of my people so that I'd feel good about myself, thank heavens you showed me how to reverse engineer that concept. Yeah. How to start with that relationship in the mirror, that person in the mirror, start developing tools to help me have some unconditional love for that person. When we talk about this trillion dollars worth of debt that's out there today, whew, this is going to sound nutty, but part of that solution and the mindset starts with, we got to set the money aside for a minute. What's going on? What's that hole in our soul that's driving us to swipe that credit card, right? For me, it was just an I'm not worthy complex. From a very young age, I felt different. I felt less than. And the way I expressed that feeling of less than was to come out bigger than. I'll show you, right? It's the two sides, the false pride coin. For me, I felt less than inside. Therefore, I'm going to show the world bigger, more, more, completely full of shit, complete house of cards. But man, I'm going to paint the picture of who I want you to know. So through luck and happenstance, our paths met. Yes. But if somebody's out there and they don't have that. Yes. Take 99 cents and go down to your local drugstore and get a spiral binder, you know, like a Mead spiral notebook. Yes. And maybe need another 25 cents for the pencil and journal. Let it rip. Right? What is it? Yeah. What is it? What, why am I spending? Why what? am I, why am I needlessly spending? What is the hole in my soul that I'm trying to fulfill? Yes. What are the, what are the limiting beliefs that I have about money? What is your first money memory, good or bad? Yeah. Was money used as a weapon when you were a kid? Do you remember your parents or your grandparents arguing about money, fighting about money? Was was money? I, I just met with a a new client yesterday, who I'm I'm coming from this from a perspective of lack, yeah, and scarcity. Right. His money trauma was too much. Ah, he came from too much. His wife's family came from too much. Interesting. Jets, plural. Whoa. Cuckoo. That's, that's a lot. Cuckoo stuff. Yeah. Right? But too much. Mm. And the damage that that did and the scar tissue that that left. So this isn't necessarily just a lack conversation. But if you don't have somebody, stranger or otherwise, to bury your soul to, use a good old-fashioned journal and let it rip. You got a digital device you can type on a keyboard? Go. And just don't have any attachment to what flows out of you. Find a nice quiet space where you can't be interrupted for a while and let it rip. Mm. That is a great way to start to unlock some of this stuff and to start to be able to, as we get into some of our tools and the mindset, to be able to unlock this in a way where there starts to be a little bit of an awareness, a little bit of the, oh, so yeah. So the, the, the comparison for me as a kid was the so-and-so family. Yeah. Well, or... The so-and-sos went on this vacation every year, and I was always jealous, and we couldn't. Or, you know, my I'm thinking of a client who she has scarcity issues around money today. You know exactly who this mm -hmm. is. She was the youngest of five, and all of her clothes were either the hand-me-downs hand, hand, hand or handmade. But not handmade by, like, you know, tailors. Handmade by mom with whatever scraps were <laughs> right, laying around. Right, right, right. And she suffers with that as a 60-year-old woman today. So I think this exercise is really powerful. If you don't have someone that you can share it to, 
Let it rip on a piece of paper. It's a good start. I, I will tell you that helping me get some foundation in that relationship with self that ultimately got me to the tools of getting my financial house in order was a huge part because I met you. Well, that's because what I'm, of that relationship. I, I get that, but not everybody's going to have that. I know, and and so you start with that. And I, while you were while you were generously sharing some of the journaling exercises and stories, I was over here googling because I I saw a TV commercial recently that was all about helping people connect with therapists. There's something about having a conversation. And no, you're not a licensed therapist, but you have this incredible gift this unique ability of how you use empathy and compassion that I, I've only seen like glimpses of that through other like therapist professionals. And although, you know, you may have stayed in the Holiday Inn Express last night, you're not a certified therapist. No, but, sir. But I'll tell you that having somebody that you could sit with that's not going to judge you, who's just going to validate that the way you've been living, that that sounds hard. That sounds... Wow, that sounds really unpleasant, that experience that you had, which is what you expressed to me when I shared my story. So what I'm going to suggest is that if you don't have somebody that you feel safe talking to about that gut-wrenching hole in your soul as you've journaled and discovered some things about yourself, there's some online resources for you to look at. And the one I was – I'm glad I found this. Uh, it's called BetterHelp, betterhelp.com. Uh, one, one of the things that seems to be post-COVID challenge is finding available therapists. It's such a high-demand need right now. Yes. And I've seen some ads for BetterHelp that's really uh, built for connecting people quickly with therapists that have availability in their area. And that, just to pick on that a little bit more, that yeah. can be for seniors, that can be for adults, it can be for teens. Yes. And... I know we talked about this in the last episode, the concept of an investment versus an expense. Yes. So I, I can imagine someone hearing you say, spend money on a therapist. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing I think the person's going to think I is- I can't afford it. I can't. Right. I can't. Well, this is where I'm going to go off script again mm -hmm. and say, this is an investment in yourself. Yes. So if you don't have the money for it, this, in my opinion, if I were in this situation- I would tell you to use your credit card to invest in yourself for some therapy. I think that's a great start. I'm going to push you even further on that. I'm going to suggest you and I did a little exercise together where you helped me recently, right? I just, we got to do a little fine tuning. You and I are in the financial planning world, and I think you and I are doing a much better job of not being cobblers whose kids don't have shoes. Like you and I are doing a much better job of walking the walk and not just talking the talk and using each other as, I mean, you asked me, hey, as my financial advisor, what do you think I should do in this situation? Yep. You asked me a question like that yesterday. That's correct. As it relates to some of your own personal finances. So let's slow that down for a second. Yeah. The reason that's important is, and you've said this many times, is you can't use the same kind of thinking that got you into the problem to get you out of the problem. Right. And in something like money, in something like your health, in something like the relationship with the people that mean the most to you, mm -hmm. emotion enters the conversation. Yes. Right? Or the thinking. Yes. And when emotion enters into the thinking, it clouds judgment. Always. So when someone is emotional and their judgment is clouded, 
What is the probability of them making an excellent decision? Zippity doo da. Right. Very low. Yeah. So this concept of my stepping out of the castle mm-hmm. and asking my financial advisor, hey, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. That's very intentional because my thinking on it could be all kefuddled and clouded because it's my money and I'm emotional about it and I may not be thinking clearly about it. Yeah. Same applies here. Yeah. Right? So so who is that person? And I, I'm not suggesting that everybody has access to, I mean, we got nearly 400 million Americans and I wish there were enough financial advisors to serve all of those people, but it doesn't appear that there are. But who are the people that you can go talk to? Now, solution. We have a wonderful exercise on our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Click on resources, and you're going to find a piece called Concentric Circles. Concentric Circles is an exercise that helps you identify the most important relationships in your life. I know you and I could sit here right now off the top of our head and rip off who are the people we love and we spend time with, but this is more specific. This is about who do I have in my life that I could trust to have a blind spotting conversation with, that I can ask and share things with where I'm not going to get judgment. Now, I have a select group of people I refer to as my 2 a.m. club, and there's this many people on that list, like I'm showing one hand right now, a handful of people that if I was sitting in a jail cell at two o'clock in the morning and I needed 10 grand in bail to get out, I could call these people, no questions asked, they'd send me the money, right? Now, chances are a couple of them might be sitting next to me, but it's been very important for me to identify who those people are. We've created a worksheet to help you identify the different layers of relationship that you have with people in your life. From those 2 a.m. club people, right? You're, you're in the center. You're the most intimate relationship you're ever going to have. But then one layer out from you, who's next? And I know you might be thinking, I think I know who that is, but there's something magical that happens when you take a thought and you let that thought run down your arm through a pen onto a piece of paper. Yeah, this is a wonderful exercise. There's something that brings it to life. It's why you suggested journaling as the first exercise, as a solution to trying to figure out this hole in your soul. Once you have that and you bring it to life on that piece of paper, who are you going to share it with? Because I'll tell you, as the guy who wrote the book on this stuff, literally and figuratively, but literally, the solution came from bringing it to life, yeah. from writing it down, from taking it as a construct in my head, a feeling in my soul, and turning it into real life on paper. Yeah, I don't understand how that Works. Well, no, and we don't. The we don't, we don't it. have it to. It doesn't but, matter. I'm done asking you were, why. You were courageous enough to do it. Yes. And so, if you start with concentric circles on our website, that's going to give you the who, right? The how will come, but this will give you the who, the way I have in you. Hey, you like that? There you go. <laughs> a little Doctor Seuss. Thank action. you, Doctor Seuss. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a this is a, a powerful exercise, and it changes over time. Absolutely. Right. It does. Different stages and ages of life. That's a great place to start. So continuing kind of on this mindset, once I have that person, right, which I identified as you, then what? What you helped me do next was monumental. You helped me identify what was most important to me. So if this idea of I can't go hire a therapist, right, what we want to help you get really clear on is what do you value most in life? What is really essential to who you are as a human being. What are your core values? 
Now, there might be a hundred different concepts that exist in the world today that are important to you. Sure. But there's probably only a couple of things when it boils down to what's most essential to you as a human being, you as a survival, right? For you to survive, for your feet to hit the floor every day, what are your core values that drive you? And again, the idea of writing these down, of going through some exercises, it's another resource we have available to you on the website. It's called the Clarity Compass. And if you go to that very same place under resources, the very first one you're going to see is Clarity Compass, which is a worksheet that's going to start helping you go down the path of aligning your financial resources with your core values and principles. And I don't know about you, brother. I mean, we've personally, in our private practice, conducted hundreds of Clarity Compass conversations. Hundreds of these, yeah. Have we met a single person yet? where one of their four core values is not health? No. I would say every single person we yes. have ever taken down this road, right? if there are four things in this world that I'm going to make every financial decision based on, one of those four things is health. Yes. So if you go through this exercise and you are the first person who does not identify your health as one of your four core values, boy, I'd love to hear from you and love to hear why. Right. Shoot me an email. Matthew at yourfinancialsobriety.com and let me know. But let me tell you, talk about giving me permission mm-hmm. to start reallocating how I use my money to be able to For your go mental on. health, your physical health, your and, spiritual health. Yes. And ultimately your emotional my health, financial health. Which is going to have a lovely byproduct of leading to better financial health. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. Now, in this process, I want to talk about one more resource yeah. from a mindset. Yeah, I know. I know what it is, and Standpoint. I love it. Whew. I have a new name for it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, you, you, you tell it, and then I'll, I'll interject my new name. Well, what's so powerful about this resource is hmm, how I've used it in different places and different applications and how it went from something I really had to work hard at intentionally like being conscious and intentional with how I used it to now how it's become this almost Muscle un- memory? unconscious ah. competency that I have where nice. it's just now, well, so impulse spending, that was one of my calling cards. That was how I dealt with this hole in my soul, right? When you're a spendaholic like I am, you get this really kind of nasty feeling. I don't feel good. I feel anxious. I don't like the way I'm feeling. So let me medicate that feeling and let me go buy something. Or in the case of when I didn't have any money, that's what I used booze to do, right? Just throw a couple of shots down the old gullet and that'll wipe out any feelings I'm having right now. So spending was my go-to drug, right? That was my drug of choice to deal with feelings. I don't deal with feelings. I don't like feelings. So if I walk into the pro shop at the country club, or I walk into the tennis shop at my local Lifetime Fitness, and I happen to be walking in at the intersection of feeling some anxiety, nothing will heal that anxiety more than buying myself something. And I remember the very first time I applied the 10-10-10 principle. It was when we gave Miles the opportunity to fly overseas with friends for the very first time, give him the autonomy to go explore the world, help support that whole process, and then be there at San Francisco Airport to pick him up. Only his plane wasn't on the board when it was supposed to be because he was flying one of these lovely bargain basement airlines, which will leave them nameless. And I got this sense of doom and fear 
and anxiety. And oh, look, there's the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art store. Well, let me go walk around there and browse a little bit and, and, and do a little shopping and see what's in there. And Oh, look at this neat little journal for $38. Oh, this is so nice. I think I need to have this 10, 10, 10, 10. Boom, these bells started blasting me in the back of my head. And I put it down and I walked away from it for 10 minutes. I walked over to see what Amy was doing. And I found myself asking her questions about, how are you doing, honey? And what are you up to? And she was looking at me like I was nuts. What are you, what are you bugging me? What's going on with you? You're being weird right now. I was trying to get out of my own head by jumping into her heart. Just, I needed to get out of my own head for a minute. Because I was scared to death that just something was off with my kid. And what was amazing was I came back to that journal 10 minutes later after just chit-chatting with Amy. And it, it kind of hit me. It's like, oh, my little impulse to buy this journal is gone. Okay, but let's look at this journal. Is this something I really need? What would this journal do for me, I don't know, 10 months from now? Would it be something that's just collecting dust on a shelf? I got a thousand of these freaking journals sitting on a shelf collecting dust at home. So yeah, it probably would be. Now, if it was something that would have been meaningful to me 10 years from now, I might have actually made the purchase. But knowing that it would just sit on a shelf 10 months from now collecting dust, another 38 bucks, I flushed down the toilet, dropped nickels, I made the decision not to buy the journal. Yeah. It's amazing how by just giving myself 10 minutes of pause before making the impulse purchase, getting out of my own head by getting into somebody else's heart for just 10 minutes gave me all the distraction I needed to let that impulse, that emotion that was very present, like a wave at the beach, come and go. Then once that emotion comes and goes, we can go back and look at this purchase we're about to make and make a decision. Because the emotion's no longer involved. The emotion's no longer involved. And all it took was 10 minutes. I blew me away. Had to come down and write something about this. And so we did. And it's on the website. And it's called the 101010 tool. And it's a written process to help you when you're like me in that moment. May I call it a financial workout? Ooh, I like that. Say more. Are we officially? Well, this is a financial exercise, ah. right? We are teaching you an exercise. Okay. If we're going to lecture ad nauseum on how there's so little financial education in the world, then let's actually do something about it. Let's create it. By creating examples and exercises like the Clarity Compass, like the Concentric Circles, like the 10-10-10 the principle that is going to teach you how to do the exercise. You go to a mm -hmm. physical therapist, what do they do? They print out the exercise. Yeah. Right? So here's the exercise because you have developed it to the point now where it's muscle memory, where you no longer have to consciously, oh, 10, 10, 10. Right. You don't have to do that. Right. It now comes into you. I'm, I'm the same way. So if you know anything about me and you've been listening to the show for a while, I'm obsessed with clean cars. <laughs> I have a bit of an OCD issue on this. Really? I watch videos on detailing. I can't help myself. I love these, you know, barbed finds that hasn't been washed in 22 years. And there's, you know, all kinds of just, I get a, I get into this stuff. Oh, it's one of my favorite so things I got a about new, you. I got a new one yeah. uh, with, a, with a guy up in uh, your old neck of the woods up in Seattle. You bought the ShamWow? And he was, he just, he does these speed videos of the detailing that he's doing to a car. Okay. So they're not a 30 minute thing. They're a three minute thing. Oh, snackables. They're total snackables. Nice. Occasionally, he'll drop a little nugget in there on a particular product that he uses. Okay. So he did that the other day, and it's something with uh, how do you kind of treat the plastic, the black plastic 
trim around a car that gets all faded from being in the sun. We have sun here in California, 412 days a year. Uh huh. And you know, I get a little, I get a little OCD about it. I get a little kooky. And he mentioned a product, and I couldn't get into my. I mean, I was like, I was like trying to get to my Amazon cart fast enough. Right. And I, and I didn't, I didn't have to say ten, ten, ten to myself. Okay. I let the page sit up there. I put the product in my cart and I went away. Oh, nice. So I'm now in 48 hour land of not having completed the order, the buy now, right? It's just in the cart. Nice. Now, I do think it's something I'm going to buy. I think it's like $13. So we're not, you know, <laughs> right. we're not going to change the course of world events here. But $13 but, or $13,000, well, it doesn't you, get, you, you layer in enough 13s, and uh -huh. that's our whole concept of dropping nickels, yeah. right? You got to tighten up the chassis so you're not dropping nickels on, and I, I can say this with the mirror up, you know, all the different entertainment subscriptions that we have on our, on our debit card right now <laughs> uh, are about to get thrashed. I got a big one of these that's red, and we're going... Nice. Well, right? you did not make gonna, me go through that exercise. I'm, I'm not going to pick on the, the companies because they 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 provide services that are valuable to our world, but I don't need all of them. Right, right. Good for you, Some brother. Some of them are okay, but all of them are not necessary. Good for you. So this this exercise in 10, 10, 10 is, I think, uh, we got a lot of powerful tools in our tool bag. Yeah. This is a great one to be out in the field with every day when you are being absolutely bombarded. Bombarded. With consumerism. I got to have this. I got to have that. 10, 10, 10. 10, 10 minutes. Whew. You know, one of the... I've, I've actually used this with nutrition. Oh. I've used this with my compulsive... Oh, keep going. ...need for, you know, I, I deserve the cookie. I deserve the treat. I deserve the da-da-da-da-da. Whatever it is, right? Oh, if there's cold pizza in the refrigerator... Holy shnikes, look out. Oh. 10, 10, 10. 10 minutes. Just go do something for 10 minutes. Yeah. I got an idea. Go wash your car. There you go. Right? There you go. So it's just, it's a great, it's an awesome tool to use in, in all different parts of life. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a little bonus on with it. I, and this is something we did, you know, back in the days of, of coaching kids when my boys were playing little league and I was their coach for 10 years. I did lots of little league coaching, lots of basketball coaching. And I always had this rule. And I don't, I don't remember exactly where it came from, but it was kind of in the vein of 10, 10, 10. And, and for those of you in our tribe that are still out there experiencing the joys of uh, youth sports, I miss uh, it. Maybe, maybe this could be helpful. But we had a little rule on, on my baseball team when I was managing the team. I used to tell parents in the beginning of the season, uh, look, I'm human. I'm going to make mistakes. Uh, I'm going to do things and make decisions on this team that you're not necessarily going to like or agree with. I am 100% open to your comments, your feedback, your questions. I am 100% open to having conversation 24 hours after. So if you see something in a practice or a game that you don't like, please don't come into the dugout right after the game, guns a-blazing, ready to light me up over what you didn't like. Wait 24 hours. Because what was in the room? Lots of emotion. Yeah. 24 hours later, you come talk to me about what you didn't like the day before, and guess what won't be in the room? Emotion. Less. There will be less emotion, which will allow us to have a healthy, productive conversation, which will allow me to listen, hear you, validate your concern, and then splain myself, right? 
and hopefully we can come to a place where we can agree. Now, my experience with that kind of rule and regulation was very positive. I had very few parents I ever had major, major issues with. And when we did come to a place where we didn't agree, we were able to find a place of compromise. 10-10-10, in effect, is the essence of taking that emotional, impulsive decision and putting a little a pause button. Wait for it. A pause button. For our older audience members that are our age, putting it in the lockbox. <laughs> exactly. The old Al Gore lockbox. Lockbox. A little pause button. Yeah. Beautiful. So when we think about how we begin to apply the pain of discipline, the ability to say no, we're going to get into in part two here the how-tos. But understand, these how-tos they're going to sound really simple. They're very challenging and they're hard to do if you don't have the right mindset. If you don't do this kind of pre-work, which we just gave you the speed round, like, you know, 20 episodes worth of financial sobriety. Yeah. We're kind of giving to you right now. Now, what we're not talking about is the inventory. Yeah. Right. Which you'll get when you go back and listen to episodes five and six and seven back in there. And that inventory is with respect to your goes-ins. And your goes outs. Right. I mean, one of the things when you do these exercises and you get the mind ready, what's going to prepare you is to sit down and look at how much money's coming in and how much money's going out and exactly where it's coming from and where it's going to. No matter how painful that might sound, it's required. It's required if you want to make any movement in this concept of developing discipline because yes. you're just going to feel more regret yes. the longer you do it. Yes. So kind of like ripping off the Band-Aid. Yes. You know, if you if you did get one of those journals or you got a spare piece of paper lying around, just look start writing down what's your income, what are your expenses. Yes. So I'm grateful that you and I do this on a, a fairly regular basis because it changes. And I recently I found through my own bank account an easy way to account for all of these different categories. If you go into your primary checking account, which for me is where all the goes ins and goes outs happens, right? The direct deposits come in both for Amy and me, and all the bills get paid from this one direct deposit account, I can sort the display on the bank account based on what it is. So bills that get paid versus money that comes in versus debit card expenses. So I first did a look at all my bills, like the hard line. These are my bills. These like, are they're fixed. Fixed costs. Right. So my mortgage and my car insurance and, you know, uh, healthcare. Yeah, my health insurance Utility and my bills. life insurance and my PG&E bill and my water bill. And your cable bill, your cell phone bill. Well, right. All the subscriptions that we also yeah. identify, yeah. right? Those, so those are, those are just categorically, we're going to call those fixed expenses. And in, in my bank, which is one of the big commercial banks, so I imagine yours might be similar, it's just the category of bills. And I was able to export all that into an Excel spreadsheet and very simply sort biggest to smallest. And it was eye-opening to see what my fixed expenses were. Yeah. And it didn't take very long. Yeah. Then came the fun part. Then it was looking at all the other expenses that came out of the account on the debit card and on the ACH transactions. So these these would be categorized as either variable expenses. Yeah. Or want the, the want-to expenses. <laughs> yes. This is where this whole concept of 10, 10, 10 and, and dropping nickels. Yeah can have impact. Yes. Right? Now, could you make decisions up above with the fixed expenses 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, you, you help could make, me with that. You could you could make bigger decisions up there versus some of the smaller stuff like cutting back on nine and ten and fifteen dollar you know mindless spends. Well, so I mean, let okay, I'm going to open my kimono yeah. here. Something that's very important for Amy and me that we've discovered that we didn't really know about each other is we want to have an us bucket. We want to have a pot of money. And we both wanted this, yet we've never talked about this before until we sat with you and did some financial planning work. It was uh, it was quite an aha. It was awesome. It was. And, you know, how do we go about funding this little us bucket so that, you know, we have a little slush fund of money that just for the two of us, we can, you know, plan some stuff together? Because we haven't done stuff with the exception of, you know, 25th anniversary last October. Yeah, and you've got one of those every year. And so. We, right. So you helped us look at, and one of the things that— you nailed it. I've been paying a little extra on my mortgage every month. And I have a 3.75% interest rate on my mortgage, which if you were paying attention in the last episode, is half of what the going rate is today. So I have this really inexpensive debt. Why am I trying to pay it off quicker? So you suggested as my financial planner, instead of paying extra money, pay just what you owe and use that extra money that you're paying towards your mortgage to fund your us bucket. And you went through some of my other fixed bills and showed me where, again, shaving ounces, where we identified, I think, 700 bucks a month. Yeah. Which is not... Not nickels. Not nickels. It's that, a lot of nickels. That could go towards... 3,500 nickels. Uh-huh. Maybe. 700 times 12 is what? The whole year. I mean, that's almost... 8,400 bucks. That's almost 10 grand mm -hmm. if we're rounding up, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, how would that feel? You asked us this question. Mm -hmm. How would that feel a year from now to have $8,400 set aside in a nuss bucket? Mm -hmm. oh. So if you're somebody— The pain of discipline oh, oh. versus the pain of regret. Yes. The other way that we like to say this is creating a position of strength. Yes. Like I, I was just looking at our Schwab accounts the other day. Mm -hmm. I mean, you forget this stuff, but we, we have a Christmas fund. We have yes. money that we, we schloss every paycheck— money goes into that. I love it. And I looked at it and I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> Let's talk about it. What would that feeling be like? Now, let me, not the right way to say it. What will that feeling be like when you have $8,400 in the account a year from now, and you can now have a very, I would imagine, pleasant conversation around what you'd like to do. Mm -hmm. It will feel like, <sighs> I mean, the best way can to describe I, it is to can I interject one of my new favorite words in what yeah. we do? Yeah. Freedom. Freedom. It's freedom. And it's proof that I can because the little money monster in me, my money spilkus, that looks at, holy crap, every three grand a month in retirements, a million dollars saved. If I can do that, if I can actually save that $8,400 this year for us, maybe, just maybe, I can do that. Big leap. Not, but, re not really. But not really. Because when you take... Not really. You're already on the road. When you take $8,400 a year, right? And we didn't even talk about what we found in my variable spending, right? The, yeah. The Disney Plus subscription for $10.99 that we don't watch anymore because the kids are all grown up. Yeah. Gone, right? I mean, just some of these line items that we started scraping and what that adds up to... And then you put the magic of compound interest behind that in a very basic, nice little 
you know, S&P 500 index fund. How about just the plain old money market fund at 5% today? The money market at 5% today? Yeah. And you save that for the next 10 or 20 or 30 years? Oh, I'm not so much saying that in terms of 10 or 20 years. What I'm saying the money market is is in your $8,400 us bucket. Sure. That could be going into money market and getting another few hundred dollars out of it. Right. Right. That all of this goes to protecting your confidence. Yes. Developing the discipline, developing the no muscle, paying attention to the details, not mindless spending, that all in a financial fitness kind of way, Mm -hmm. it is getting you in better shape. And and your capability is expanding because you've proven to yourself that you can do these things. Right. Absolutely. And that that's where I'm trying to connect the dots between if I can develop the discipline and the confidence in my ability to save $8,400 a year. In just this one area, by the way. Correct. There's other areas where you're saving money as well. But in this, in this, now going back to the Clarity Compass, in this core value that you and Amy have around wanting to, to be able to have money to be able to do things together, right? doesn't have to be some weekend at Montage, right? It could be a couple of weekends, you, you rent a camper and you go mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Those are things that you like to do. But being in, the, I, I just, I'm so addicted to this concept of coming at it from a position of strength. Yes. That there is nothing better than than having the money in the bank before you go on the vacation. Oh. Nothing is worse than coming back from the vacation with the visa bill that just takes your breath away. It just absolutely obliterates any of the benefits. As the co-owner of paying for the vacation, it, it eradicates any of my pleasure yes. from the trip because now i got to pay for it. Oh, and if you can't pay for it, the interest you're going to accrue and how much more you're going to pay for it, right. paying for it over time. Right. Oh, there's something incredibly satisfying about having the money in the bank. And yeah, I, I can't think of a word that describes that better than the word freedom. Yeah. Because it does. It just feels like, okay, what do you want to do? Yeah. What do we what do we want to do? We have the freedom to be able to choose within our boundary, within our limits, in this case, eighty four hundred bucks. Yeah. What we would like to do. Now we're gonna keep saving, and it doesn't mean we have to blow it all on the on the the first trip. But now you have the freedom to be able to, oh, there's this concert that we really, I mean, one of our good friends, Richard, goes to something like 90 live sporting events and musical yeah. events and concerts a year, right? right? He was telling me of two concerts he's going to in the next couple of weeks. And I always look at that at a, with, with a sense of awe and wonderment. Like, that's expensive. How mm-hmm. does he do that? Well, it's a it's a priority. It's one of his, his core life, values, right? Yeah. It's absolutely essential to him. He is working, he is willing to work his fanny off to make the money to, to be able to afford that because for him, that's a, you know, to me, that's a really nice to do. Right. Well, right? it's what makes horse races, right? We all want for different things. He also does a brilliant job of saying no in other areas of his life where keeping up with the Joneses could be very tempting. No, sure. this is what I covet. This is what I value. This is where I'm going to align my financial resources. Yeah. So we've talked about this idea now of, you know, having the courage to sit down, write down the goes ins and goes outs, right? The, the fancy term for this is called a profit and loss statement. If you were a business, if your family, the Gebhardt family, the Grishman family were a business, this would be an exercise in looking at your profit and loss statement, which is really nothing more than just measuring goes ins versus goes outs. Income. Income. Versus expenses. And seeing what 
one minus the other, income is, minus expenses. Is that a plus or a minus at the end? Is there money left? Right. Is there a surplus? A deficit. Correct. We're using all of the words that you're, you, you're going to hear in some form or fashion, and we don't like to take ourselves too seriously, so we use funny things like goes in and goes out. Right. Right? Right. That exercise is kind of the lead up. All of this mindset stuff and then culminating with the profit and loss statement gets you to a position where we can start to get into the part two of the conversation, which is the how. Right. We're, we're picking on you and your us barrel, your us bucket in terms of that $8,400. Now, you've done a good job of saving and creating an emergency fund so that this is, this is on top of that. I mean, there have been plenty of times in my life where I didn't have an emergency fund. Yeah. It was going to be my hustle. Sure. <laughs> that was our emergency fund. Sure. Okay, Ace here, producer for the program. As a longtime listener, you know me. If you're new, well, hello and welcome. As you know, the guys can get pretty excited and carried away, and the next thing you know, the episode's getting a little long especially when you've got some homework and you've got some thinking and some journaling to do. So I've made an executive decision to give you a break before we get into the how of setting up that emergency fund and more. Here's a gift of time. We'll come back in the next episode fresh to help you get that emergency fund and more squared away. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety, I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers International Financial Services, LLC. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Gebhardt Group Incorporated does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance.